We're just going to read from Hebrews 11, verse 1. Faith is being sure of what we hope for, being certain of what we do not see. Next is Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing, that is hearing, the good news about Christ. And Hebrews 12, 2 and 3. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, for who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Thank you. Please be seated. No, this is perfect. Thank you. Good morning. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Oh, man. You know, after I heard all of that wonderful inspiration of hope and God and love and Jesus, I'm like, okay, we're done. Let's go home. Let's celebrate. (laughs) But I do believe that the Lord has put a word on my heart, and I want to share it with you guys today. I'm going to start by telling you a few stories. Last year, some of you know that we went on a very, very long trip. There were nine and a half people, two minivans, and 8,000 miles. That's a long way. Great time. We were with our family. We were going to Mount Rushmore. And on our way to Mount Rushmore, we had decided some of the things that we were going to do while we were there. First thing we were going to do was, you know, hang out in the uh, resort that we were at. We were going to go definitely see Mount Rushmore, but we were also going to go panning for gold. Yay. Has anybody panned for gold before? Okay. Well, there's two ways that we could do it. We could go and stand before a bucket on water flowing and just kind of shuffle around the pan and see what comes up. Or we could do it the hard way, like they did in the 1800s, and that is to go walk around, go onto the side of a mountain, dig these big buckets of dirt, bring them all the way down the mountain to the river, pour it, shuffle it, then have to recycle this and keep doing this. We had probably gone through, eh, I'm going to say, 20 of these big buckets, Well, we had a tour guide who took us through this. His name was Rattlesnake Randy. (laughs) Rattlesnake. And he looked the part. Had the hat, had the rattlesnake, had the boots, had the overalls. Fun guy. But Joe was up there digging in this one hole, and he kept digging and digging. And, you know, I'm down there, and I'm shuffling, and I'm like, get these little flakes. Little flakes of gold, little flakes of gold. And so I asked Randy, Randy, can we go to a different spot and start digging? He goes, oh, no, you don't want to do that. And I'm like, why not? He goes, I have a story for you. I don't remember what the guy's name was, but I'm going to call him Dave. So Dave was in the 1800s, just before the gold rush and everything had happened, and he had bought a claim. And he started digging. And every morning he'd get up, and he'd go and he'd dig. And he'd go, oh, man, this is hard work. 
because he had to do what we were doing, take it from the top of the mountain or wherever he was digging, bring it down and then go to the water and shuffle it out. And he was only getting little flakes also. Every morning he'd get up and he'd do this. And he'd be frustrated. And he's like, this is really hard work and I'm not getting anything out of it. So one day out of his frustration, some other guy comes along and for $200 he sells his claim. Guy starts digging. About, I don't know how long the guy dug, but it was about three feet that he had to dig. And he had hit one of the biggest gold mines ever in the gold rush. So here Dave was, three feet away from the biggest gold mine ever, and he gave up. He gave up. He lost faith. He didn't know what he was doing. But sometimes we have hope and faith that is a breakthrough that is just like three feet away, and we don't even know it because we stopped digging. I'm going to tell you another story. Mel Fisher. Does anybody know who Mel Fisher is? Treasure hunter. Treasure hunter, yes. What an amazing story this guy is. So Mel Fisher was a treasure hunter, started in California. He got married, had five kids. His wife was the first woman diver ever. And she still today holds the longest record of being under the water for 50 hours. Could you imagine being under the water for 50 hours? Okay. Well, Mel had struck some um, gold by finding a ship that had some gold on it. And he had uh, invested all of his money into these excursions. But Mel didn't have really good luck. Mel had a lot of lawsuits against him because what he did was he would have people invest into the possibility of finding treasures. So after he was digging for these treasures and nothing, nothing was happening. And so then he found three pieces of gold. Well, the news said that he was a counterfeit, that he had placed that there just to keep the investors going. So he was a con artist. They called him a con artist. He said that he really doesn't know what he's doing. He had lawsuits against him. And every morning he would wake up and say, today is the day I'm going to find the treasure. Well, he was in search for a treasure called the Santa, Mar Santa Margarita was the first one he was looking for. The Santa Margarita had, um, had sunk. It was a Spanish fleet part of a Spanish fleet, and it had sunk. And on it had, I don't know, like $400 million worth of gold and silver and rubies and, and emeralds. So um, he started looking for that, and he found part of it. Well, he was also an inventor, so he was trying to find a way of clearing the water so that his divers could see, because it gets really mucky down there. When, well, one day he blew, it's called a mailbox, and he blew the air down, and whoosh! Gold laid on the bottom of the ocean. Well, guess what? The government took it away. He had found part of the Santa Margarita, but the government took it away. It got laid up in... Um, labor disputes of who owned it, whatever. 
He had no money. He was living on a boat. That boat sunk. But every morning he woke up. Today's the day he's going to get his treasure. His children were all involved in this. His oldest son went out one day looking for the treasure with his wife, and the boat sunk. So now this guy has no money, lost his son and his daughter-in-law to this search for the treasure. He was now diagnosed with cancer, and every morning he'd wake up and say, today's the day. I'm going to find it. Well, he was grieving the, the loss of his son, so he stopped looking for the treasure for a little bit. But because it was such a family ordeal and it was part of uh, who they were and he was always, his son was always involved in this, he said, you know what? My son would want me to continue. So he'd wake up every morning. Today's the day. Well, what happened? Anybody know? He found the biggest treasure. He found the um, Atosha, which was another Spanish fleet which was along the, um, in the same fleet as the Margarita. And after uh, labor disputes and everything, he got his treasure. And you can look him up. He's, uh, he still has a museum that's in uh, the Keys. So you can go and look him up. Um, look up all the details. It's a really fascinating story. But through everything, he persevered. He kept his eye on what the prize was. He never gave up hope. He never gave up his dream. So out of the two, who do you think had breakthrough faith? Dave or Mel? Mel. Mel did. Well, let's look at what God says faith is. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, faith is being sure of what we hope for, and certain of what we do not see. So I'm going to give you a chance to go to Hebrews 11.1. 1. And I'm going to read from there. Now faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. That is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand the universe was formed of God's command so that what we see is not made out of what is invisible. Now, if you were to look through all of Hebrews 11, there is a litany of people who lived by faith. There's Abel, who gave an offering to God that was accepted while his brother Cain's was not. And it says here, and by faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offering. Enoch, another person in the Old Testament, was taken up, just taken up by God. He didn't die. He was just taken up. And before he was taken up, he was commended as one who pleases God. I love this part. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Next one is Noah. Everybody knows the story of Noah, right? Spent 100 years building a boat. 
The one thing that I find amazing about Noah is, if you know, water came from underneath. Rain had not even happened yet. The, the clouds has not opened up and had rain come down yet. So this man is building an ark when there had never been rain and the, the Lord told him there was going to be a flood. But by faith, he built this ark by the instructions of the Lord. By faith, Abraham was going to be the father of many nations. He was very old. He didn't have a, any children at that time. But by faith, he was going to have many children. All these people, and there's many, many more in here, died before they ever saw the promises of God fulfilled. But they walked their life in hope of what they did not see and faith in what they did not, um, hope in what they were sure of and certain of what they could not see because God told them that this was going to happen. Now, if you ever get a chance, read all of them because there's a whole litany of people here who walked by faith. And some of them actually did see what God had promised. And that's where I'd like to talk, and that's about Joshua. But before we go to Joshua, we're going to go to Joshua. Yes, we're going to go to Joshua 1. But before there, I want to give you a little background of Joshua. Now, Joshua was with Moses when they came out of Egypt. And when they went through, you know, they went through the Red Sea. God opened up the Red Sea. They walked through that. They seen many miracles. So they got to the promised land. The promised land was right over there. Just like Dave's story, it was right there, right for their reach. And he gave up. Well, Moses had sent in 12 people to scope out the land, the land of Canaan, one from each tribe of Israel. Well, when they went in there, there were giants, there were foes, there were people who they didn't think that they could overtake. And when they came back and they reported to Moses, you can find this part of the story in Numbers. But when they reported back to Moses, they said, oh no, we cannot take over this area. These people are too big, they're warriors, we'll never beat them. There's nothing that we could do to beat them except for Cain and Joshua. I'm sorry, Caleb. Caleb and Joshua. Caleb said, the Lord has already given us this land. All we have to do is go in and take it. But the ten guys were too afraid to do that. Two guys, Caleb and Joshua, had faith. They had breakthrough faith. They said, we could do it right now. But because the ten other guys said, no, we can't do this, they ended up walking in the desert for 40 years. So a whole generation had died off. And that's where we pick up the story. In Joshua 1, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all the people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. 
I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And then he goes on to say, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people into the inherited land. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I think, as I have been reading this, that the Lord had showed me some ways that we can be faithful and have breakthrough faith. And God lays it out here. First of all, God had already promised this land, this territory. It was already theirs. All they had to do was go in and take it. The first time, they didn't take it. They were right there, just like Dave, didn't, gave up too soon. Here, like Mel, today's the day. And they went in and they were going to take it. So God has given you guys territory and me already that we just need to take, whether it's in our finances, whether it's in our relationships, whether it's territory over, you know, our drugs, addictions, our habits, our hang-up, whatever. God has already given you that territory. All you need to do is walk in the faith, the faith of Jesus Christ, because aside from God, we can't do anything. He's already given you that territory. So walk in faith and take it because it's yours by his, by his giving. We walk in victory because Jesus has already won. He's already won the victory. He says, be strong and courageous. Why do you think he would say be strong and courageous? What happened the first time? People came up against him. They said, no, we couldn't do this. They had opposition. We have opposition in our life all the time. And we forget that God has already given us that territory. So be strong and courageous in your life because he's already won the fight. The fight. And all you have to do is walk forward in it. Mel had a lot of opposition against him, but he said, today's the day. He was persistent. He kept his eye on the prize. Jesus is the prize. We need to keep our focus on Jesus. 
When we seek after him and keep running after him, everything else will fall into place. Keep our focus on the prize, Jesus. Everything else will be overcome. And you know why the territory can be taken? It's because God is with us. He is not against us. He is with us wherever we go. It says to meditate on his word day and night. How do we become strong? How do we become courageous? By knowing that God loves us, who he is, what his promises are. We are going to find that in his word. When we come here and we hear the word of God, the good news of the gospel, that's where we're going to get our strength. That's where we're going to get, be courageous. Is by and meditating on it, knowing it, having it in our hearts. That is what makes us strong and courageous. So you have territory that God wants to give you for you to be victorious in it. We do that by staying close to him in his word in, um, in praying to him and talking with him. And we need to become, be strong and courageous because we will have opposition against us. How many of you find that you're in a spot right now that you need victory in? Anybody? That's the territory that God has already given you. Walk in that victory. Be strong and courageous. He's already given you the victories in, through Jesus Christ. Walk in it. Know his word in your heart. Know the promises that he has given you. And then be strong and courageous because he is always with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He loves you. He is a good, good father. Our hope lies in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. I think when I look at those two scenarios of Caleb and Joshua and the ten people who were against going in, I think of Dave. When I look at Joshua, when he was able to go in and take the territory that um, was already given to him, I kind of think of Mel Fisher. He persisted. We need to persist in our life, overcome the things that are holding us back, but we can't do it alone. The only way we can do it is through Jesus Christ. He is the author and finisher of our faith. Now I'm just going to close off with one other story. This weekend I went on this whirlwind trip to Milwaukee, drove all the way there, drove all the way back in two days. Okay, three days. While we were there, we were helping my niece unpack. Peter left both doors open, the door of her apartment and the door that leads out. She has a dog and a cat. Well, we went back in and the cat was gone. We could not find this cat. Now, Peter and I had planned on going sightseeing. Well, now we had a cat to find. 
Oh man, so we, this apartment is four stories high, three or four, I don't know. Walked up all of them, looked in every nook and cranny for this cat. Walked outside, drove around, walked around the block, could not find this cat. I was devastated, not only for my niece, who just moved there and now is missing her cat, but for my son, whose heart was broken, that he felt like he's the one who lost the cat. We get back in the house, looking for the cat, nothing. Now, we have a great prayer chain through this church. I'm praying to the Lord, Lord, I need some favor in this. This, my son's devastated. You know, I just need some faith. Just give me faith that we're going to find this cat. And I'm all calm and I'm all peaceful. And I'm like, okay, Lord, you've got this. And Peter's praying in the other room. I didn't know that. He's going, God, I need some divine intervention here. Show me some divine intervention. I'm just getting ready to text you guys and say, oh, please pray for me. Please pray for Peter. Peter looks in the cupboard that he looked in several hundred times. Here comes the cat. I'm like, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. I was crying. I said, Lord, thank you for increasing our faith. Because sometimes the Lord just gives you those little things to help increase your faith. And in that moment, because Peter had asked for divine intervention, his faith was increased by that. I pray today that your faith is increased moment by moment, day by day, that your faith in Jesus Christ will continue. God bless you.